This program is financially supported by the fundings from the European Commission. You are listening to the EPU Access Cast, the first official podcast from European Blind Union about assistive technology for blind and partially sighted people. And here are the hosts. Welcome to the latest EVU Access Cast, where we will bring you the latest happenings in assistive technology that affect people with visual impairments here in Europe. And there is plenty to report this month. We have plenty of news and a demo. But first of all, let us introduce ourselves. My name is Paweł Masarczyk, and I'm your host for this month. And with me, I have my guests. I have Tanya Cloud from Luxembourg. Hello, Tanya. Hi. I have Mario Percinic, also from Luxembourg. Hello, Mario. Hello there. And we have Bart Simons from Belgium. Hi, Bart. Hello, everyone. Yes, indeed. A lot has happened despite the high temperatures all over Europe. July was quite a productive month, but maybe you also have been productive. Any new gadgets? Anything you have gotten this month? Anything new in technology? Well, actually not new gadgets for now, for me. I do have some things in the queue for testing. So if the testing will be successful, then I'll be able to show some things in September. Okay, pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah, till September there's plenty of time, so hopefully there'll be something coming up. On my side, I got myself an iPod Touch 7th gen and I'm pretty surprised myself because I used to have an iPhone and then I switched over to Android, but the announcements of iOS 13 that we made in the last episode convinced me that maybe it's also good to keep an eye on what Apple is doing and I got myself an iPod, which is a nice trip down memory lane because I had the chance to see which apps I used to use when I still had an iPhone and which I use now. They were different apps back then. <laughs> so it's interesting how these patterns of usage change and so far so good. I quite like the transition or rather the completion of my equipment with an iPod. I'm quite disappointed but that was to be expected. There is no Touch ID so therefore there is no Apple Pay and there is no 3D Touch so not all of the features are available but I'm back in touch with people who have FaceTime and iMessage so that's definitely a plus and I can use all the apps that are available on iOS but are not on Android. So I'm happy about the purchase. I just wish I had a bit more time to experiment with iPods and things but I guess that will have to wait a bit as well. But anyway, I'm back in the Apple land. So now you will have enough time to experiment with your iPod over the summer break. Yeah, yeah. I hope so. I hope I will have enough time to reconnect with all that happened in the five years I hadn't had any iOS device. Yay. <laughs> Anybody else? Anything new? No new gadgets on my side, but I participated in conference here in Luxembourg. It's Voxid Days. It's an annual international conference organized in many countries, including Luxembourg. And it's organized by the Java user group and is intended for developers. I had a keynote on accessibility because this year the theme was technology that serves humanity and we wanted to have one presentation introduction on accessibility it was to raise awareness to make people aware that there is technology like assistive technologies that uh, help persons who are, who are disabled and to raise awareness among developers about accessibility. Great! How was the reception? Was your publicity interested in the subject or more skeptical about it? Or did you get positive feedback or mixed feedback? 
No, I received very positive feedback from persons with whom I talk. So I hope that they will think about accessibility now in their future projects or at least make some difference in slowly including accessibility, meaning using automatic checkers for a start or checking what are the minimal requirements for accessibility or whatever they can do that they start after this. I hope so. Okay, and you also said somewhere when we talked that it was one of the first Luxembourgish conferences, maybe not about, but where accessibility appeared. You think there will be more? You think the subject will catch on in conference subjects? I'm sure that there will be more because now accessibility is more and more becoming important in Europe, also with the Web Directive and European Accessibility Act. So surely there will be more also for the public sector, but also for other services and products. What I like a lot, what I learned from, because this is a little bit linked to my job, what we discovered is that it's more useful to try to have a speaking slot in a general conference for developers rather than organizing a full day accessibility summit because you will attract only people who are already interested in the topic if you manage to speak like you could do now in a general developer conference i think you make much more impact because you reach an audience that you otherwise would not reach if you would have an accessibility specific event so that's really nice that you got this occasion so speaking of the conference when you know when you talk in front of five to six hundred developers for a state like Luxembourg, you achieved very good success with that because eventually there were not only developers from yes. Luxembourg here, there were people from Germany and France and Luxembourg as well. So yeah, I think this is a good point made. Yes, and I know that many of them were not aware at all about accessibility, so surely for them the presentation was really useful. And speaking of the success of the conference, there was one of the tweets from the people that I think were one of the organizers from the conference. And basically what the guy said at the end was like, ha, today we could see that we should really care about the accessibility because eventually there are more people with disabilities in the world who are in the need for the accessibility than the amount of IE11 users for the moment. <laughs> and yeah, that tweet got like 300 retweets and also a few hundred likes. So yeah, overall good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it was retweeted more than 200 times. <laughs> nice. I think that also as the subject gains prominence and people will know about it more, also this full day, fully fledged events will be needed because the subject is quite broad. It has different aspects and also there is room for innovation. So at certain point we will need something like CSUN in the States, I guess, where actually experts from already mainstream companies that have had some experience with accessibility will come, will share their insights and will think of new ways of approaching the subject. But I think that's still a future, future to be discovered. Okay, so with that said, let's jump straight into our news and there is plenty. And now, and now. Accessibility in the news. So the first news comes from Be My Eyes, who were already featured in this podcast a couple of times, a Danish company. They have had two announcements this month. 
quite important ones because finally their dedicated network of support staff is reaching global coverage also in Europe. And the first two companies that we have is Google, who we already knew they had, but it was only available in select countries. And now we can contact Google also, only in English for now and in the times that are the working hours of the United States, of certain states. I think it's between 5 p.m. and 2 a.m., 2 in the morning. I think you played with it, Bart. Did you try to contact an agent already? I didn't try to contact Google yet, but I plan to do so. I think it's really a nice announcement that through Be My Eyes we can now not just reach a volunteer, but also a dedicated accessibility people inside Google. I'm especially interested if they know the problems that we are facing here in Europe, that the keystrokes are not always the same, that we don't, so we can contact them in English, but our computers are not in English. I'm curious how well trained they are in this topic as well. So I look forward to contacting them one day if I'm again before CAPTCHA or Google owns now so many things. So there are plenty of topics we can contact them with, I think. Yes, I would be pretty interested to hear also what they think about the lack of support for interpunctual marks in some languages when dictating. I know that a lot of languages have got it already, but for instance Polish still hasn't got it. So when we say comma in the middle of something we dictate, we still have the word comma inserted as it's written. So Really? Yes, yes, sadly it's still the case. So I think and I hope it will be solved soon because I heard that even our neighboring countries like Czech Republic have it solved but we still don't and we have the Google Assistant they don't so it's quite an interesting development there. I think this accessibility help desk is feeding back to the teams so I think they keep bug tracking if more people are reporting the same problems I guess they have a line with the developers so I would really encourage you to contact them with this uh, topic. I will and the second announcement from Be My Eyes is for our female listeners Clearline has announced also their support line on Be My Eyes, whereas they assist with the reading of the pregnancy test results, which I think is quite important because one of the key arguments against Be My Eyes with many people was that you connect to a random volunteer and with some private matters like this, for instance, you wouldn't trust a stranger. And here there is a dedicated company. Okay, that's still not somebody you know so maybe you don't trust these people but still it's safer than some Mm -hmm. stranger from the internet who you know nothing about and that's what the commercial companies that do the video assisting services promise that they hire trained agents who keep your data confidential and i'm really happy that be my eyes has managed to realize the same concept in a different way and i hope more services like this will come in the future Mm -hmm. so regarding be my eyes what's really cool in the app is the feature that you can see which of the services is open or closed. For example, since Microsoft is working 24-7, when you scroll between the possibilities which we can get to call for a special support, they will tell you that Microsoft is opened. And when you go on Google and it's like 2 a.m. in the midnight and you need help, well, obviously, maybe at that time, you will be able to find someone because you will use the US time. Mm. But uh, when it's closed, it will tell you that it's closed. So no worries about that. Yes, that's great that they say it. It's important to know what's going on. But that's not the end from Google. There is still more. And indeed, Chrome has received a new update. 
the version 75 was released with plenty of accessibility improvements but the most important one it's been known for a while now i think since season in march but now it's official it's no longer beta and it's rolling out to users across the world it's the ai generated automatic descriptions for images and it works i'm still a strong believer in firefox although i'm slowly being convinced about the advantages of chrome but i heard from people who tested it and apparently the descriptions are not so bad it's like full sentence contextual description with some details even so it's not just a random enumerating of objects so i'm really happy this came along finally has any one of you had experience with this so far yes because i've used also the extension that we presented in february the auto alt text in chrome and it works in the same way you can access the alt text through the context menu and then you get the description this works in the same way you access the description from the context menu and it's quite precise most of the time i'm happy to hear that the results are good i don't know if you heard in the last few days at a certain point at facebook their server where the photos and images were stored was down and so people on facebook look everybody was not seeing the pictures but they were seeing the artificially <laughs> intelligently generated uh, descriptions so people were wondering what is this all about may contain flower may contain text so everybody was seeing this and people were quite complaining that it <laughs> It is not the same as an image. So I'm happy to hear that this seems to be a better description than Facebook does. Well, for the quality, we would need to check with somebody who is cited, but at least you get an idea what the image contains. Maybe it is not always accurate, but you have a sort of idea. But Google didn't stop there. They also made a lot of other accessibility improvements. For instance, now we can see how many incognito windows we have open. Some bugs have been ironed out. But it's not just Google Chrome. It's also the Google Assistant in conjunction with Android devices. Some users discovered that it's now possible to toggle accessibility services using Google Assistant to our great surprise because for years we have heard it's not possible. And now it has become possible. And indeed, if you are on the latest beta of the Google app and you have the language set to English and you are on most likely Android Pi or Q, then you can say something like the magic phrase that would trigger your Google device and then turn on TalkBack and you will basically have the TalkBack turned on and same for off. And if it rolls out globally, I think it's a great move finally because now not only can we independently turn on TalkBack in more than one way, but also suppose we would like to do some support for our sighted friends or family, mm -hmm. colleagues. We can just ask their Google Assistant to turn on TalkBack for us and we can help them with their device problems, which is already what I often do for my sighted friends with their iPhones mm -hmm. when I want to show them something or fix something. So it's a great move and I hope it will be available globally soon. I hope that it will work also in modified Android versions in the OEMs from manufacturers who don't really use the standard vanilla Android experience that the changes that they make to OEM will not break this feature. I don't know how it works from the back core, but I really hope because often when there is something cool introduced in Android, it suddenly turns out that on this device will not work because some API is blocked, like the fingerprint gestures, for example, and on some other devices, it for some other reason is will not work. So I hope this time it will be globally available also like the accessibility shortcut is not always there so i hope this one will work for sure that's great because on ios we had this feature with siri for a long time and it's really useful in the moment that uh, when voiceover stops speaking <laughs> to turn it off and on and then uh, to restart it 
Yeah, on my phone, it doesn't work yet because I'm running the phone with the Android 8, which is Android Oreo. So for the moment, even though I have the latest update for the Google application, it's giving me the message that this feature is not available yet. So apparently it's probably working just uh, for phones which are running Android 9, which is Android Pi or the beta of Android Q, which is Android 10. Android 10 officially is supposed to come out this summer, so Oreo users probably will have to wait, or maybe this feature will be not available for people who are running Android with a little bit older software. Yes. Okay, now comes a news from the series which I hope will be more often featured here, namely what happens in accessibility across different countries of the EU and Europe in general, especially in conjunction with the European Accessibility Act. And what I mean is that from 2020, Germany is introducing a new state-funded app for requesting emergency help via text messaging with location sharing in real time, which could be really useful for people who are blind and also have a hearing disability, because in this case it may be difficult to use the regular emergency system phone line. And with this app you can call on the service and you can request the help via text and also the location will be shared and the app is supposed to be accessible, so it will start working in 2020 and it will be available upon registration so that the possibility of people making fake calls will be eliminated because it will be connected to your account so you can be tracked and information such as your location and the nearest uh, cell tower that you're connected to will be shared and this way you can call help even with uh, speech or hearing impairment quite fast and i think it's a great solution i already heard from some friends in czech republic who use their local app called Zahranka and they are really satisfied with what they have. They can quite quickly call on help and it's really useful. So I hope more countries will adopt this solution. So is this application working directly with the 112 services or how does it work? Yes, this actually alerts the emergency systems of a given country. I think these are the same operators who work at 112 except they will receive a text message and the location of that person and they can react on it. It's also useful in the case when, for example, for some reason, maybe you cannot or maybe it's better for you not to speak and make yourself heard that you're calling for help. So in this case, you can also send a text message and, and request this help confidentially in a situation where you cannot speak. Mm -hmm. So it's also could be useful for people who are just blind. And so, yeah, hopefully it will be fully accessible with screen readers as well. And... Maybe next year we'll be able to report how it works. Maybe we'll hear from somebody who tested it. Hopefully you will not have to, but... It's a bit tricky to test. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but it's good that it's there. So yes, also if you are listening to us from some country in Europe and something happened, something became accessible or some new accessibility solution was revealed in your country, do not hesitate to let us know and we will be happy to talk about it in our podcast in the future episodes. So yes, feel free to share. <laughs> And did they say when this app is going to come out officially? Like, we know that it's 2020, but do we have concrete dates? It was stated 2020 because I think local regulations for different regions of Germany have to be still adopted. So it will be slowly unrevealed as time goes throughout the country. So somewhere it will be first, then later somewhere else and so on. By the end of the year, it should be global for Germany. 
-hmm. Yes. Okay, and quite related to accessibility in different countries, the Gatwick Airport has received an accessibility award from the European Disability Forum at the International Convention for Airports. And they received it for providing staff training regarding accessibility, dealing with uh, passengers with accessibility, and also for their stakeholders, for people who provide any kind of service to them, and also for the broad range of accessibility services, including braille material, call buttons that you can press and you can be in touch with the assistance service, and other services they offer. They were awarded for this. So yeah, congrats Gatwick, keep up the good job, and hopefully maybe the airport of your city will be the next, who knows? Hopefully. They, they, we wish you good luck. They have in the UK one advantage. Usually I'm quite happy with the assistance provided in airports, but in some places their English is not always very good. And that makes it sometimes difficult to uh, explain how your luggage looks like or where they need to drop you. Of course, in the UK, they will not have problem to help you in English. In many other airports, sometimes is a problem I run into with assistance. Yeah, and sadly that happened to me in Belgium, for instance, at Charleroi. I was oh, faced yeah. a couple of years ago with assistants that just spoke French. No surprise. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So I was quite puzzled how yeah. I should approach them and explain where I need to go and so on. Exactly. So yes, I think it's good that uh, the assistants can also provide you help in English. But I think also other airports, I think Bologna Airport was highlighted. It didn't receive the award, but it was also highlighted for good accessibility practices. Mm -hmm. So it's not just UK that wins these prizes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, regarding all of these things for the airports, I've said that it's great to see that people in UK are taking care about people with disabilities because eventually from my own experiences I have to say that I'm also not too happy with some of the airports where I traveled in Europe especially the Charleroi airport as well where clearly you could see that uh, the staff is not trained enough with handling people with disabilities and there are also language issues sometimes. Personally I didn't have too much problems with the language because the people that gave me the assistance, were able to speak English, not perfect, but we could understand each other. But in comparison, for example, the Frankfurt airport in Germany or the smaller one, the Frankfurt Hahn, where the low cost flight companies are flying, such as Ryanair, etc. The assistance over there works much, much better and there are no problems over there. I was also very surprised to see that when I was in Croatia for the last time, which was a few months ago, for Eastern holidays, I was able to see that even the stuff on the Zagreb airport improved a lot with the assistance for persons with disabilities and that's very nice to see. No, it's really important that the staff is trained because I had also the experience that sometimes they don't have a clue how to guide me and sometimes we are in a hurry to take the connected flights and if they don't know how to guide me it creates more stress than help. So it's one important thing and also what happens sometimes to me if I arrived with the bus to the airport it's very difficult to organize the assistants who will pick me up from the bus station that is in front of the airport. So it's like a few meters out from the entrance, but they don't provide the assistance outside from the area of the airport, but still it's on the airport. So this is one of the issues that I encounter each time when, when I arrive by the bus on an airport and or also if I take the bus after the flight. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, if you need if you need assistance with check-in, you need to find. We, sometimes yes. they are placed only yeah. after the check-in desks, but yeah, sometimes you also need help with the check-in. Yeah, yeah. So the yeah, indeed, the meeting point should be clearly indicated, or even a phone number that you could announce that you are arriving. Yes, even a phone number, because if you are not familiar with that mm -hmm. airport, it's very difficult when you're blind or visually impaired. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Most often, I phoned in advance. And they told me that is not possible. <laughs> so I hope that this will also improve in the future. Let's hope that this kind of award yeah. will inspire other airports to do better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is also interesting how it's organized in Germany, because I just heard a story from a friend last weekend who came to visit me that in Hamburg, there is a service organized by the Red Cross, and this is a thing in Germany, that airports and train stations, apart from their dedicated stuff of the airport and of the train station provided by the railway to assist passengers, has an additional service of volunteers who are there to help you and do a bit more than the railway or airport is authorized to. So, for instance, if you book last minute your assistance because you have to travel suddenly or if you need somebody to pick you up from a greater distance than the proper assistance is allowed to take you from you can call them on the private line and they are happy to help which helped me a lot of times already excellent but he had this experience recently that even upon calling this assistant wouldn't come they didn't register that he was requesting it and he had to call again and again and again and i think he has been waiting there for an hour and then finally somebody came after being asked i think he's even said six but doesn't matter a lot of times and he had this kind of experience as well um, so it's even with the phone calls sometimes it's hmm. very difficult to track down the people responsible but to end it on a positive note i really liked the calling buttons idea because I already experienced it both in Düsseldorf and Dortmund. As you enter the airports, right in front of the door, there is a button that you can call and you get instantly connected with a hotline at the airport and you say your name and you say where you're flying and they already know that you're waiting by the door and they dispatch a representative of their crew to pick you up and accommodate you. And even in Düsseldorf, the good thing is that because Düsseldorf has a dedicated airport train station, you can come by train or S-Bahn, and already at the station, at the platform where you arrive, there is a pole with a huge button that you can press and you can call the assistance from there already. And this is quite important because in Düsseldorf, That's nice. if you want to reach the airport in Düsseldorf, the terminals, from the train station, you still need to take something called a SkyTrain, which is a special kind of train that goes somewhere over the rooftop of the airport or something like that, or of the train station, and it ends in the terminals or parking places. So it's not that easy. Maybe if you have had good orientation training, it's easy. But especially if you're a tourist and you just came, it's not that straightforward where you have to go and what you have to look for. Mm -hmm. So these people can, you can call on them from this... Uh, item there from the standing pole and they will come and collect you which is totally great so i'm i really hope more airports will adopt this technique because it's really great who knows maybe in the future we will have apps on the mobile phone to do this with like location tracking and everything so yeah the, the future is ahead <laughs> hopefully and speaking of apps apple is also up to some good Indeed, they have patented or applied for a patent for touch-based map exploration GPS system, which means that we don't know what it means. We can only infer what it means from the patent description. But the guess would be that they will introduce a method to explore maps independently, even on the basis of a calculated route. So let's say we want to go from our house to the newly opened restaurant. We calculate the route 
and we can touch on the screen and explore how the lanes follow, how the streets follow, what is on our way. And we can in this way imagine how we would go from one place to another and how do we reach our destination in more imaginable way than just spoken instructions. Go left, go right, go straight and so on. So I cannot fully imagine yet how this could work in practice because I think already we can in a way touch the maps with Apple and we can see how the streets are laid out. There is already some possibility like that. But I think now it will be more contextual and it will be more oriented on getting you from point A to point B and getting you the general idea of your surroundings. And also there is some plan to improve the representation of the tridimensionality, if that's even a word, of the world around you. So you can imagine what obstacles you might encounter or how this is all related to each other, how you can imagine yourself inside this map picture. I don't know, do you have any guesses how this might actually work or how they could actually solve this? I don't have the idea how it works because apparently this was just the patent that came out, but I would guess that, you know, it would be good for situations where, for example, you would get lost in certain parts of the city or in the city which you don't know very well. So you might be able to explore virtually what's around you on the screen. And if you're able to do that, then it would give you a better mental map of the surrounding area. And that's cool. Yes. Okay, hopefully that will be a revolution in the way that finally a producer of maps that are available to the mainstream public will tackle the challenge of making those also accessible for the blind. I personally am looking really forward to it, especially now I have a difficult time choosing the right GPS solution for me because my favorite app, which was DotWalker, is no longer developed. At least there have been no updates for some time and a lot of features stopped working. So I know there are alternatives, but I have always difficult time getting used to new GPS apps because they represent information in many ways and you have to take some time to familiarize yourself with what's in front of you. So I really hope that a big company that is in the business for some time now will improve the accessibility and introduce some good practices for others to follow. So I'm quite curious what's gonna come next. Let's see. Hopefully this will be one of the patents that actually see the light because often these companies introduce new patents or apply for the patents and then for years and years nothing comes out of it. So maybe we will have to wait a bit still, but at least the will to do it is there. So we now have to wait and see. So keeping fingers crossed for Apple. I remember that we had like one app five, six years ago on the Android platform that was uh, available to do that. I don't remember what was the name of that. Was it uh, the Nearby Explorer app? Yes, Nearby Explorer, but that was the American one. I think we in Europe got only this limited version where you could uh, look around sort of because the full version from the version that American blind users can use included some offline maps that covered North America. But yes. On iOS, there was a trial with an app called Ariadne. They had this feature, although I didn't find it very easy, but you could drag your finger along your touchscreen and it would say what street you were on. But as you have no idea how the street is going, it was very hard to follow a street and find an intersection but they had an attempt to to let you explore the map but on a the phone at that moment was quite small so i think this would be better on a on a tablet or on a more recent phone which is a bit bigger screen real estate i'm also hoping that google will also put up the ante 
and include some accessibility for their map views inside apps because more and more apps rely on map views and for instance Flixbus has this feature where you can track where the bus currently is so if you're picking somebody up you can have a look where the bus is and if it's far from the station or not or even Google Maps has this feature where you can follow your friends if they let you so it would be nice if we could read at least in a basic form, the contents of these maps, at least to see the central point, like the nearest point to where the person is located or something, because more and more generic apps actually use map views and we don't have access to these. And this is, in my opinion, a huge drawback with Google accessibility, with Android accessibility. And our penultimate announcement for today comes from NV Access. And as you probably have guessed, yes, we have a new version of NVDA beta out which means that the stable version will probably follow soon. And there are many changes, as always. Braille users should be happy because, for instance, now the Freedom Scientific displays will be detected automatically, which is good because a lot of other brands were already detected. Freedom Scientific wasn't, now they are. So all the Focus users, or if somebody still has a Pacmate display, they can be happy. But also now you can control certain settings of your Braille display from within the dialog of the settings. So for instance, the density of dots, if they should be hard or soft or look anyhow differently, and some other parameters which are Braille display specific, they can be controlled from within the settings dialog. Also, the one core voices will get a rate boost. So if they were too slow for you, you can make them even faster. So those of you who read really fast will be happy and who can understand them at that. Me, 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 me. I use, I use very fast speech rates when I use the screen readers. And uh, apparently since the one core voices came out, I retired my eloquence. And uh, when I'm using NVDA and all the other screen readers, most likely I will use the one core voices for English language. I will use the Microsoft Mark voice. And the settings which I have for the moment are like I use it on the 60% read the rate boost on so it's quite fast and if I have to slow it down for instance if I'm reading something that requires more understanding that requires more digging into the context of the subject then I would slow it down to like 40% but yeah still fast but I'm really happy with the features how it works for now and regarding the Microsoft voices, it's really great to see that we have like almost all the European languages covered now. So uh, basically all the people who doesn't want to purchase the commercial TTS packages, they can now use the one core voices which come with Windows 10. And those voices are great. I mean, there is also we have since March of 2018, we also have the voice for Croatian language, which I have to say for me is the best so far from all the voices that were developed so far, including the commercial TTS engines. Yeah, I agree. Especially that some pretty exotic languages are covered that were not really covered before. Also Croatian included because not many companies. Now it's new that uh, the big companies are developing voices for Croatian, for Slovene, for Estonian, for instance. So there is a really wide variety of voices and languages to choose from by default and for free. So it's definitely good that effort is made to make them work even better, faster for those who need it. That's great. And also there is a change that I really like, and I think I sort of initiated a ticket for this as well. You can now assign shortcut keys to different NVDA profiles. 
which could be really useful, for instance, if you're working in a multilingual environment and you quickly need to switch your languages somehow, the NVDA language or the Braille table, because there is no fostering for the Braille tables, there is just for the speech synthesizer languages. But now you can, for instance, create a special profile for a different language in Braille or for any other setting that you need to be different really quickly. And you can just fire the keystroke and the profile is triggered. So it's all fine now to work with different settings when you need it quickly. And I really like it. It's a productivity boost. And the last news, which will be covered more thoroughly in the interview that Tanya did, which will come right after this show. Something that the EBU has been campaigning for for so long has become a reality in the letter of law. And namely, we are talking about the AWAS systems. That means that from now on, from the 1st of July, newly produced electric cars and hybrid cars are required to be equipped with a signaling system so that pedestrians and cyclists and also blind pedestrians can hear when the car is approaching when it's there, when it's standing. And we will not say too much about this now because all the details are in the interview, but it's definitely a great achievement. It's been a long-standing campaign. And personally, I, as a blind pedestrian, I will feel safer, I guess, now with these systems in place. So yeah, well done, EBU. Good job, everyone who advocated for this change. And we look forward to seeing this in reality. It may take some time, but it's definitely a progress that will now happen, that is now a reality. I'm just wondering now, we will also present you how sample systems like that will sound like, but I'm quite curious how creative the brands will be with how the signals will sound because now there is also the chance for the brands to show off with different designs of these signals. Of course, they should follow certain standards, but nobody said that this kind of sound is forbidden or this kind of sound must be used. So yes, I think it's a chance now also to do a bit of sound branding for the car manufacturers. So I'm really curious, maybe we'll hear soon something that will sound like a lawn mower or a vacuum cleaner or maybe not we'll we'll see and also i'm quite curious if this will also be a new thing with the car tuning industry if this will be also the element that people who are into tuning cars will be able allowed to or willing to customize of course within the limits allowed within the guidelines proposed yeah i think it's a great achievement i have to say that this is really good that this regulation came finally for all pedestrians but also for all blind and visually impaired people because for instance right now in Luxembourg we can see that more and more buses are becoming electrified and from my personal experiences I I can tell you that when this bus arrives basically if there is the other traffic on the streets you are not able to be notified that the bus arrived at all if there is a silence you will hear it, but it will be just as the bus approaches you. It's really, really quiet. So, yeah, I'm really hoping that the others will work how it's supposed to be working and that in the future we will see much more car manufacturers and bus manufacturers and basically all the vehicle manufacturers implementing the AVAS system properly in our car because that will improve our safety for sure. Yes, indeed. I didn't see that much in Poland yet. I mean, we are purchasing some electric buses in bigger cities, but I was visiting Rome last year 
and we had an electric taxi approaching us. And Rome, as you can imagine, is quite a crowded city, especially in the historic center where the Colosseum is and all the other important sites. And my mother told me, actually, Pavel, there was a taxi approaching. Did you hear it? I was like, not really. Thanks for telling me. She was like, how are you going to survive when this becomes a standard? And I said, you know, there is this campaign and hopefully this will be a standard as well that the cars will emit some kind of sound to let me know that they're there. But for the time being, it's not a reality. So, yeah, I don't know. I'll just have to have luck, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so that's it when it comes to the news. We'll leave you now with Tanya, who, first of all, will present the interview with Jessica from the DBSV, and the German Association for the Blind, who will tell us more about the outcome of the campaign and what awaits us in the near future. And then also Tanya will deliver a presentation on the Voice OCR app, which is an iOS app for scanning text that has been around for some time, but recently received a significant update. So Tanya will tell us more about this in the demo and you will also have a chance to hear how the app sounds like, <laughs> how it detects the text, how it works, and if it's something that you would be considering to purchase. We'll also leave you with two examples of how AWAS sounds like on a Jaguar car and a Nissan car, so that you can have an idea how far the companies that already decided to implement AWAS will go with the sound, what kind of sound you will expect in the near future. So now let us hear how the AWAS systems will sound like on a Jaguar I-Pace and Nissan Kanto. And now, let's hand it over to Tanya. The electric vehicles and hybrid electric vehicles are silent or almost silent at low speeds. 
with the new European legislation, all electric cars in Europe must be equipped with a sound emitting system. We have uh, with us Jessica Schröder from the DBSV, German Federation of the Blind and Partially Sighted, and also leader of the silent car campaign of the European Blind Union. Hello, Jessica. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for accepting our invitation for the interview. Can you explain us what is the AVAS or Acoustic Vehicle Alerting System? AVAS is an abbreviation and the Acoustic Vehicle Alex Alerting System is for long term. And it is a device and, uh, which emits an artificial sound. And this device is attached to a electric car, either a pure electric car or a car which is partly running with an electric engine or with an electric and a hybrid engine, so an electric hybrid car. And this AVIS system, Acoustic Vehicle Alerting System, warns the pedestrian uh, of an approaching car and it also tells the pedestrian about the car's behavior. So if a car is approaching, if a car is stopping, if a car is in standstill condition, and also it clearly indicates the speed of a car. Mm -hmm. So it's not a flat noise. So yeah. there are a few operational conditions for an AVIS system, which were defined by law. So there have been proposed a range of legal requirements in two different settings of uh, laws. Like there's one EU regulation which has currently been implemented, at least a part of it has been implemented. The EU regulation, it's called regulation on the sound level of most motor vehicles. It's EU <laughs> regula regulation 540 and it entered or it was adopted in 2014 and entered into force in 2015. But the usually it's, sorry, I, I have to be a bit longer on this. Usually mm -hmm. it's a regulation which was or is meant to reduce the sound level of combustion engine vehicles in general. So it should make the traffic noise a bit lower on European streets because scientists have found out that Noise is uh, harmful to the health of people and causes a lot of diseases like vascular diseases, blood pressure, and so on. At the same time, uh, it, would, it was also recognized that the sound level of motor, uh, like uh, the sound level of electric and electric hybrid vehicles, is far too low for an audible detection of blind and partially sighted pedestrians or of just pedestrians in general. So the sound level is really low. So the EU decided that also there should be a system in place called the AVIS system who will give a warning sound to uh, pedestrians in general. So to make cars, electric and electric hybrid cars who are very low in noise at low speeds, uh, a bit louder so that they are audibly detectable. It is crucial for persons who are blind and cannot see the vehicle, but it also helps other pedestrians like uh, elderly people or persons uh, looking on the, on the smartphone and not paying attention 
or kids or anybody else who is relying also on the sound to to be aware that a vehicle is coming. And uh, what is the sound level of the AVAS system? Let me go a bit more into detail explaining the operational conditions of an AVAS system. So an AVAS system should be activated from a speed range uh, zero kilometer up to 20 kilometer per hour. And it means that it should indicate at this different levels of speed, the behavior of a car. So it should be indicated if a car is decelerating or accelerating. This needs to be done by the sound shifting of the car. So there should be a shift in the noise level and also a shift in the pitch of the car. So a frequency shift indicating the pitch. So if a car is accelerating, the pitch will be higher and if it's decelerating, it will be lower. So it has to be active from zero to 20 kilometers per hour. And it also needs to have a sound which is similar to a sound of a of a vehicle from the same class which has a, a combustion engine. So it means a car like a, a bus should still sound like a bus and should not mm -hmm. sound like a spaceship. This other system needs to be installed in all electric vehicles, also in cars, in buses, in lorries, in trucks, in passenger buses and in, in a range of different cars. So usually all cars which are meant to uh, to uh, transport persons, but also to transport goods and items. And the sound level of this AVA system is 56 dBA is the minimum value, like the minimum sound level value, and the maximum value is 75 dBA. And the minimum level sound level needs to be applied at 20 kilometers uh, per hour. So if a car drives with 20 kilometers per hour, it needs to have an overall sound level of 56 dB and it can have an overall sound level of 75 dB. So uh, 56 dB is not really pretty loud, it's equivalent to the sound of a rain shower or the sound of a fridge. So it's not really that, uh, that great because this regulation is meant to make the streets less noisy. But mm -hmm. uh, The problem is with that, that in uh, Norway, a study has been conducted with blind and partially sighted people and also with people who are fully sighted and who had their eyes covered. And the study showed very clearly that the 56 dBA level is still not loud enough, especially when you have a background noise of 65 mm -hmm. dBA, which is quite common in uh, urban traffic situations, the people couldn't really detect the car at 20 km per hour with just a 56 dBA sound limit. So therefore, they, this study suggested that the sound level should be raised, the minimum level, at least until 61 dBA. And this is also a requirement that Evo has put on the table But it was not very easy in the negotiations in the past for this regulation or two regulations to really convince all parties involved because 
the aim of this whole thing is to make streets less noisy and people <laughs> are very much concerned about environmental protection. We had to find a balance between environmental protection and between safety. Therefore, they said, okay, the minimum level should be 56 dB, but the maximum can be 75 dBA. And we are trying to encourage the car industry to equip their cars with a higher noise level, not 56 dB, but it's not that an easy task. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's quite difficult. Mm -hmm. Yes. And what about uh, cars at high speed? The problem, so the, not the problem is, for cars who are driving at higher speeds, it is assumed that the noise of the tires is generating sufficient sound. So when the tires are rolling on the streets, then the, the tires and the air compression in the engine will make sufficient sound so that the car is, car is audible detectable. This mm -hmm. study, which I was referring to in Norway, also figured out that this might be true since the people could hear the car and the tire noise. But the problem again, if this, the background noise of mm -hmm. other traffic is raising, then it could be harmful again. Therefore, in the US, Avis needs to be activated until 30 kilometers per hour. But here, the, the argument was always put forward by the car industry and also by transport ministries that in general, our roads and streets in Europe would be less noisy than in the US. Therefore, we wouldn't need to have an upgrade of a, of a speed limit mm -hmm. until mm -hmm. uh, the, the Avis should be activated. Are there any other electric vehicles that are excluded from this regulation? Yeah, unfortunately, a lot of plenty of electric vehicles are excluded, like Segways and electric bicycles, electric scooters and many, many more. So still, these vehicles can create quite a danger for disabled people and may be hazardous. The problem is we had to focus as the European Blind Union and the World Blind Union at first on one set of vehicles. Mm -hmm. And uh, later we may go to, to another, like we, we may try to cover other parts. I just mm -hmm. wanted to mention one more quite important point. It's very important to note that the operation of a vehicle, of an electric vehicle equipped with an others, until yet car manufacturers are allowed to equip these cars with pause switch. So, and this regulation only applies to cars. So, at least from 1st July 2019, who are new on the market, new types of cars. For example, if Opel wants to invent a new car, it has to equip his car, its car with a, this new invention with an Avis from now onwards. So like new type approval. And from 2021 onwards, all new cars on the streets, no matter if they are already have been approved, the types of the cars, but new manufacturers' cars need to be equipped with an Avis. So, for example, if cars already existing and will be now just newly manufactured, they don't need to have an Avis. And there is also no obligation for retrofitting. But from until yet, cars who have to be equipped with an Avis can have a pause switch. But from 2021 onwards, these new type approvals 
are not allowed to have a power switch anymore. So mm -hmm. at least there is a, a good or a positive prospect for us that the latest from 2021 onwards, new type approvals cannot be suspended anymore. And from 2023 onwards, no, no new car on the street electric or electric hybrid vehicle can be disactivated. But until yet, this is still a voluntary requirement for cars who are, have already a type approval. For new types, no, uh, that's the problem. The pause switch um, is uh, surely a danger for us because the driver can switch it off, the sound, and um, we cannot hear anymore the car coming. We have advocated quite long for this requirement to build in a pause switch. The thing is that this requirement was adopted in 2017 in June in a new amendment of the EU regulation and also in another type of regulation where the car industry tends to orient itself. But the problem is since a lot of bureaucracy was going on and a lot of cars now have already at least new types have been approved because to the process of appro car approval takes quite a while. This pause switch prohibition couldn't apply at an earlier stage. At least it will come and that's a good sign. We were also arguing for lower transition period of a pause switch but unfortunately, this didn't work out to, due to bureaucratical reasons. Yes, and now this transitional period is uh, problematic for, for persons who are blind because now we can expect uh, still many electric vehicles without AVAS. Are there any other improvements or amendments that uh, would need to be added to the current regulation that are important for persons who are visually impaired? Yeah, so the good sign is that uh, the Commission, the European Commission, who was initiating this regulation, needs to carry out an impact assessment in 2021, so also to check if uh, AVIS regulation are compliant and if they are sufficient to uh, suit the needs of vulnerable road users, not only, uh, as you said, blind persons, also children and elderly and basically everyone. And on this regard, we can try to also appeal to them to conduct really in-depth studies. And therefore, or in this regard, we can also try to enforce new amendments. For example, our desire is that all cars which are already on the streets, which are not equipped with an AVAS, have to be retrofitted with an AVAS system. And also we would like to have a stationary sound, not just can have stationary sound, because now they can already put a stationary sound onto an electric car, but it's not a must. We want to have it as a binding clause. And thirdly, we would like to raise up the speed limit because in many residential areas the speed limit is up to 30 kilometers it's like a benchmark especially at lower speeds cars electric cars present a real hazard for for all road users therefore we would like to raise the speed limit so yes. uh, it could happen that in the future i don't know if really in the near future 
but in the future there might be some amendments of a regulation and we will strongly advocate for these amendments to make the streets safer for uh, all road users. I was wondering what about other technical solutions that improve uh, road safety like the automatic emergency braking systems? In one of the two regulations which, de which define the requirements for an AVIS system, there is also a paragraph uh, mentioning that also other safety systems should be put in place at a later stage to either replace an others or to complement an others. So the car industry wants, of course, to focus more and uh, active safety systems like uh, detection of pedestrians or braking systems or what else is on the market. I'm not very knowledge about this to enable the car by itself to stop if a person uh, or if a pedestrian comes in reach. We, of course, welcome this. But on the other hand, we always believe in Evers should be there at, uh, at the first place and can be complemented by other safety systems. But we never want to rely just on an active safety system because we can never say how reliable it might be. And everyone who walks uh, independently on the streets rather wants to rely on his own hearing sense to detect if he's able to cross the street safely or not. Yeah. Yes, and there are some examples where the sound is really needed, like roundabouts. Yes. You, you have to listen the traffic to know in which direction you have to cross the street or if a car is coming. And if we rely only on this system, then uh, most probably we can create accidents. Yes, of course. And it was also... A lot of stu studies have shown that especially in residential areas or in parking lots where cars are traveling at low speeds, the risk of being injured is much higher than in, in really dense urban uh, loud uh, traffic situations. Because mm -hmm. since due to the inaudibility of the car, the, the cars can't be heard and a study conducted by the National Traffic Highway Administration of the USA also revealed that uh, pedestrians are much more likely to be involved in an accident with a car or a bicycle, like bicyclists with a car, at 36 and 56%. So 36 for pedestrians involved uh, with a car and 56 for cyclists involved in a car accident. Yeah. So mm. due to the also due to the inaudibility of a car, yeah. yeah, and it's much more than accidents are occurring on the streets with combustion engine vehicles. And uh, is there anything that you would like to add? Yeah, I just want to say be ensured that the European Blind Union and the World Blind Union were always a very ambitious in getting the most of out of the come like out of the requirements so to really make the streets safer and to really have an adequate noise level but the problem is often that politics are often like is often a very wide and negotiable uh, field so we always have to try to find a compromise 
between different interests, like between mm. environmental issues and between safety issues. And we believe that the installation of an AVIS is already a major achievement, also the prohibition of a pause switch in the future. But we also knew that there is always room for improvement and we will work hard for for this and to make an AVERS even better, even uh, more audible, but still to take into consideration the needs of environmental needs. Yes. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you very much. And with that said, we would slowly say goodbye to you. August is a holiday season for us, so we hear us next time in September. And we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have anything that you would like to tell us about, any accessibility discovery, a demo, an interview, anything that you would like to share with us, feel free to reach out via email or via our Twitter at ebuaccesscast, spelled as one word together. And this will become also a contribution for the next episode. So keep them coming. Thank you for being with us today and hopefully hear you again in the next episode of EBU AccessCast. Bye. Bye bye. Bye. Enjoy your holiday. Bye. Demo time. Demo time for demonstration. Voice. OCR document reader is the OCR application for iOS. And some of you are probably familiar with this application and have used it five years ago when it was launched for the first time. The application was fully redesigned in the meantime and it is again available with better OCR quality. Voice was free before and it will continue to be free for those who had used the old application or you can purchase it for five euros on App Store. The application takes 12 megabytes of space and requires iOS 11 or later, and it is compatible with iPhone, iPad and iPad Touch. The version that I have on my phone is the latest version at the time of recording, and it is the version 4.1. Let's open the application. Voice. Double tap to open. Actions available. Okay, so this is the novelty voice commands and right now there are only two voice commands capture to take a picture or read to process the image. If you're wondering what are the voice commands for other languages at the moment the application is available only in English and the voice commands need to be spoken in English. Nevertheless, the OCR and text-to-speech functionalities are available in more than 30 languages or all languages that VoiceOver speaks, which are 16 European languages. Let's explore the interface of voice. We will explore later the settings. We can import saved images and process them with voice. Flash set to off. We can toggle the flash on or off and auto. By default is set to off and it will return to off each time when you close the application. Flash set to on. Flash set to auto. 
auto. I will say to auto. Camera, button. Keep snapping pictures to have voice read them one after another. We can take more than one picture and read them later. Read, button. And read is the last option. The interface is simple as that. Note that the application works only when connected to internet as the photos are uploaded to the server. Let's take a picture of a leaflet that I have here. We know that usually the leaflets are colorful and uh, not very easy to process. But let's see how, how voice does it. I am putting my iPhone like uh, 15 centimeters above the paper. It should detect the corners. Four corners detected. Okay, four corners detected. And I will take the picture by saying capture. Read. Alert. Extracting text. Reading page one. Twenty-seventh of July two thousand and nineteen about the festival opening concert. Twenty-sixth of July from eight thirty PM until ten PM by the Greyhounds Washboard Band. D. Festival Blues and Jazz Rally two thousand and nineteen in Luxembourg City celebrates its twenty-fifth anniversary. The Blues and Jazz Rally is a very popular music marathon, which takes place every summer in the capital of Luxembourg. The festival is organized by the Luxembourg City Tourist Office in cooperation with the City of Luxembourg and the Blues Club Luxembourg. It is one of the best known and largely visited open-air events in the Luxembourgish capital. The internationally recognized festival attracts thousands of music enthusiasts into the old town of Luxembourg and offers a great atmosphere throughout the picturesque streets of the Fenthor. Okay, I will stop by default. It reads you automatically by using one of the text-to-speech voices from your phone. You can turn it on or off in the settings as you wish. Let's explore the screen here from the top. Reading page one, heading. BLUESN Jazz Rally Saturday, 27.07.2019 about the festival opening concert. Okay, so I can read the same text with voiceover. Play button. I have the play button to start playing the content of the page. Restart page. Button. We start reading from the top. Previous page button. And previous. Next page button. And next pages are available when there are more than one page. Now I took a picture of only one page. On the top right corner we have two options export page one text button we can export the text to third party applications export page one image button the same is for the image go back button and go back to go on the previous screen voice heading say the word capture to take a picture then say the word read to let voice read it out loud we can also take the picture manually so I have here a booklet and let's see if it's able to detect the corners. Four corners detected. Camera, button. Keep snapping pictures. Camera, dimmed. Camera, button. 
And let's take another picture. Camera, dimmed. Camera, button. By swiping left. Button. Photo number two, double tap to delete. Button. Photo number one, double tap to delete. Button, on. We can see the images that were taken. And by double tapping, the image will be deleted. Bit. User guide ThinkPad X240 note. Before using this information and the product it supports, be sure to read and understand the following. Safety, warranty, and okay. setup guide. Regulatory notice. Important safety information This is quite okay for OCR quality. Go back. Let's go back. Let's explore the settings to see what are the options. Settings, button. Settings, heading. Go back, button. Speech speed, heading. 50%, adjustable. Swipe up or down with one finger to adjust the value. Okay, speech speed is the speed of the text to speech that will read the text. You can adjust it very easily. Reading type, heading. Text to speech reading. Text to speech reading. Switch button on. Turn off to have voiceover to the reading. Double tap to toggle setting. At the moment is toggled on, but you can easily switch it off. Language, heading. Languages, button. Here we can change the languages. At the moment, uh, I selected English, but as I said, there are more than 30 languages. What I didn't manage is to select more than one language because as soon as I select the other language, the first one is not anymore selected. It would be nice to have the possibility to select more than one language. Voice, heading. Rate on the App Store. You can rate it on the App Store. Share with friends. Help, heading. Send feedback. And send feedback. The developer is open for any comments, so if you have any, feel free to write him. Voice four, one, made with love and coffee by Shall and Shaw. Okay, that's basically it. The application is very simple and intuitive. And if your language is covered by voiceover, then voice will also support it. The quality of the process text on my photos was very good. And if you like the demo, you can find it on App Store. Thank you for listening. This has been EBU Access Cast. Access Cast.